All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? So much stuff. Attack on free speech, a strike at Starbucks, the battle of the century, and the earth is falling over. What do you have? I have Durham, I have Schiff, and I have Bug Juice. Okay, people, let's begin. We have liftoff. Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster, Andrew Marcus. And with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war is the only cultural strategist you should be listening to, Jeremy Siegel. Jeremy. How'd you like that? Thank one? you. Was that a good intro for Only you? Only co- it's not true though. Uh, the Bible goes before me. But otherwise but, I'll take second. Wait. You're you will not take the title of cultural strategist. The only cultural well, strategist the, you should be listening to. You are abdicating that title right now. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but do I'll, you want to just write point the intro you in the right for direction? Me? Why don't you just write it for me? What are you? Give tell me what you are. And I'll use that. I'm a smart Alec. <laughs> smart Alec. All right. Smart Alec. <laughs> How are I you will, today, Mr. Uh, Marcus? I will see you on Tuesday, smart Alec. <laughs> uh, I am great. I am thrilled to have made it to the end of another week. And so much has happened. Jeremy, I did it again. I watched... <laughs> Two and a half, three hours of a hearing so that you don't have to. I'm bringing you the highlights. But before I bring you the highlights, Jeremy, what do we do? We ask people to share, share the show. Right? Share it. Share it. It has show. to be done. It helps. It oh, and rate the done. show. Please go rate the show where you listen to it and leave a comment. If you have not left a comment yet, it really is helpful when people are looking for something new that pops up. Those ratings and those comments, the ratings help it com- help it pop up, and the comments are what grab people's attention. So uh, very helpful. Please do that. And uh, I've, I've noticed in uh, I've noticed in our stats at this point. We've got, uh, this is episode 36. We have thousands and thousands of downloads. It, it is exciting to see that number continue to add up. But we have only 16 ratings on Apple Podcasts. I think which people means... get so consumed with the content we're bringing them, they forget that we've asked them to rate the show. Yeah, so there's a lot of people out there who have not done it yet, and we need you to. You know what it's people are doing there, Jeremy? People are sending us content. Yes. I mean, let's not complain, is... because this was a, an incredible week for our listener producers, our citizen producers. You, are, you have shined this week. Uh, we got tremendous content. Yes, and that is also 
a critical part of the show. Excuse me, clearing my throat. I think I caught COVID from you through the, <laughs> through the microphone through the podcast the other day. <laughs> Wait, no, it's called clean feed. Okay. I didn't give it to you. Yeah. Clean feed. All right. We're, I'm going to start broadcasting with a mask. Clean feed um, is the service we use to communicate with each other uh, while we're recording the show. Yes. And so, yeah, we had, uh, we had, Great listener uh, content sent in, which is critical. Much appreciated. It made my life so much easier preparing for this episode. So thank you. I will thank first Ryan. Ryan M. In Janesville, Wisconsin. Did you hear? You, he, he sent the story to both of us. I, you I saw, saw what it And is. you and I did not talk about it until seconds before we started recording. And this is going to be very interesting because you and I both jumped on this. I have content for this, too, because I couldn't believe this story. What do you have? I'm so curious what you have because I actually found it hard to source uh Anything mainstream about it? Did you find something mainstream about it? Not really mainstream. I found, and because I was looking for some video or audio content just so that we wouldn't just be reading an article uh, or something, you know, on the show, which is, which works, I think, sometimes. You want to read his email first. The email. Where did that go? I have it. Here is the. So here's the the subject of the email was stop watering everything now. Afternoon. Hope you are both well. Watering your stupid lawn is causing the earth to tilt. You are affecting the entire world. I just hope the government will step in to regulate all water use. They know what's best for everyone. Science has never been wrong, ever. Smiley face. <laughs> Causing. It's a, colon, it's a colon parenthesis smiley face, the sideways smiley face. So uh, he was, I think he was being a little sarcastic. Causing the earth uh, to tilt. This is the new... Environmental disaster, man-made environmental disaster, is we're causing the earth to tilt because we are... That's right. ...watering our lawns. On BigThink.com, yes, removing groundwater is changing earth's tilt. Obviously. Uh, I found a clip. I wanted to find a, a clip about it, and I found one. So this was a video on YouTube that was explaining this latest crisis that we're going through. I can't wait to compare what you found and what I found. This is going to be interesting. Humans use a lot of water. We also like to live and grow crops in areas that don't see a lot of rainfall. So we have to pump water from the ground. New research purports to show humans are pumping so much groundwater, we've actually changed the way the Earth spins on its axis. So, <laughs> we're pumping too much groundwater. That's the straight arrow network, correct? It's causing, 
Uh, I think it was. It was changing the uh, Earth to wobble, I guess. So we're wobbling through space now. A point called the rotational pole. Scientists at Seoul National University recently published a study on the subject. Looking at the time period between 1993 and 2010, they found humans pumped 2,150 gigatons of groundwater. That displaced <laughs> water eventually found gigatons. its way to... Can we, can we do the math on gigatons? What is a gigaton? Well, would it be a thousand tons? So like, and a ton is 2,000 pounds. So a thousand times 2,000. What is that? Two million or something? Or 20 million? Doesn't sound like a lot. We, we must be wrong. Are there any math or mathy, math-like people out there? <laughs> It was, a, but it was a lot of gigatons. He said, <laughs> "Have you ever? I just have you ever heard the term gigaton like used like that at all? I've never even heard the term gigaton. No, but it sounds serious. It does. It just doesn't sound very scientific. Like <laughs> so yeah, a lot of gigatons to oceans, seas, and lakes, contributing, they say, to a global sea level rise of about a quarter of an inch." Through computer modeling, the scientists found adding that much water to the surface caused the Earth to tilt 31 and a half inches to the east between 1993 and 2010, a process called polar drift. How big is the Earth? It's pretty big. It's big. Isn't it something like 15,000 miles around? I think that's about right. That sounds right. 15 something. Should we ask producer GPT? Here, I'll ask producer. You can. GPT. I I think it's about I think it's about fifteen thousand miles, or you know, a little bit more than that, going all the way around. And how many feet are in a mile? Well, hold on a second. I'm still getting. I think it's five thousand. So hold on. It's I've got two hundred and sixty. Isn't circumference it? of the Earth is twenty four thousand nine hundred and one miles. Oh, so much bigger than I thought. Mm -hmm. It was 15,000, I think, to fly to Hong Kong. So that was why I had that in my head. Um, that was the longest flight I ever took. So, so 24,000 miles around. There's 5,260 feet in a mile, right? 5,260 feet in Let's a mile. Let's see how many feet. I'm right. Mile. What did and there's you say? 12 inches in a foot. What did you say it was? 5260? 5280. You are very smart. 5280. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right. So, smart Alec. <laughs> so then, um, 12 inches to a foot. So, how many inches is that? It's a lot, right? So, they said it shifted 31 inches. Are you that suggesting that their math is not reliable? Well, their math might be reliable, but it certainly doesn't sound like a big deal. Do you have more from that story? Well, I have a little more of that. It's it, but play it, play it I don't, because probably I don't need the rest. Too. But I have that clip too, and I want to and I want to I want to get to something specific. About yeah, I just that pulled clip. the whole clip. Yeah, I just pulled the whole clip. Think of it like a washing machine, and there are too many towels on one side. <laughs> when humans redistributed the water, Earth started to spin a little differently. 
Now, scientists have known for some time the Earth's rotational pull moves around up to several meters a year. So the study on groundwater pumping may explain some of that shifting and shows how humans could be impacting sea levels. At present, it doesn't appear polar drift caused by pumping groundwater is impacting the weather or changing seasons, but over a geological timetable, it could impact the planet's climate. Well, see, wait, wait, wait. The study linking now, we don't have, I we found don't some to worry about that because Greta said that we're all we're all going to be dead as of like yesterday or two days ago. Yeah, but it's as I was looking for content about this, I found a bunch of videos and articles that were talking about how the how climate change was throwing off the Earth's okay, axis. Okay, so so check this out. Check this out. When I was I found, like I said, I found the same clip you did, and that was about the most legitimate story I could right. find about it. And you know what's really interesting about it? So, uh, Straight Arrow Network is who put that out, and I was very curious. Well, okay, who's Straight Arrow Network? Because they're the only person, they're the only group that really put out, you know, produced a story with somebody. It, it sounds like it's anti-trans. It is. Wait, say that again. It sounds like it's anti-trans. Oh, straight arrow network. Okay, yeah. Now the, you don't mean this particular story. You mean the title of their network. Uh, yeah. The network was started by Joe Ricketts. Joe Ricketts, the Cubs family patriarch. Really? Yes. Billionaire. Yeah. And, and conservative. Most of them are conservative, aren't they? I think he's conservative. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he's older, so it's possible he does no, he has got no idea what his what his people are doing. But let me tell you what else could possibly be going on here. Did you happen to notice anything when you were looking for clips of this? Anything weird about what you were finding? Oh, I don't know. How about I mean, this? The whole thing is weird. Here's the story again, with almost the exact same language that. That that uh, that guy uses. I mean, I I found a few Ryan Robertson. Like, I found what? a few in robot voice. Yes, you know, like by the pumping water spell out of the voice. ground, humans have shifted right. such a large mass of water that the Earth tilted nearly eighty centimeters, thirty-one point five inches, east in the last thirty years. In that period, humans removed two thousand one hundred and fifty gigatons of water there from natural is. reservoirs <laughs> in the planet's gigatons. crust. A new study has now revealed that displacing such an enormous amount of water has had an effect on the axis around which the planet spins. Here's another one. By pumping water out of the ground and moving it <laughs> elsewhere, humans have actually shifted such a large mass of water that the Earth tilted nearly 80 centimeters east between 1993 and 2010 alone. I love the dramatic music. So but do, I, you th do you think these are AI scientists that did this study? <laughs> right. It's, a, it's an AI that is only made up from content derived from scientists, <laughs> from approved scientists. Yeah, so the, you have these, ro it's robot news. I mean, like, that's, that's how you know it's fake news right there. You don't even have real people delivering the content. I was surprised to see that, that Joe Ricketts' outfit was the only one that actually paid to put a human being in front of it. And in that human being's report, Jeremy, there was something that, this was really interesting at the very end. Uh, the study linking water distribution to polar drift marks the latest discovery in what's been a banner year for Earth sciences. In January, researchers in China put forth a theory suggesting the Earth's inner core was slowing down and possibly reversing. 
Oh, this has been yeah. this has been a banner year, Jeremy. <laughs> well, I was wondering. Dude, this is from China. This is coming from China. See, I was wondering if it was coming from Congressman Hank Johnson. <laughs> right. Yes. Do you have that? Do you remember? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I had to. It's bad audio, but it's well Go worth for it. it. Yes, it's Ireland. Oh, I got to turn it way down. Hold on. <laughs> that he's he's questioning this, Wait, this Navy admiral. Congressman, this congressman Hank Johnson from where? He's from Georgia. There you congressman go. Hank Johnson from Georgia. He's questioning this Navy admiral. He's talking. They're talking about adding uh, Marines, uh, like twenty five thousand Marines, on in Guam. At its widest level is what 12 miles from shore to shore and at its smallest level uh, or, or smallest uh, uh, location it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other is that correct I don't have the exact uh, dimensions but uh, to your point sir I think Guam is a small island. Very relatively. small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about 7 miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that uh, figure with <laughs> me, sir. I can certainly Congressman GPT. Right. <laughs> well, and the and this admiral is like you can see him kind of like grinning, like smiling a little, but he's trying to keep a straight face. <laughs> he knows he's about he's to go viral, even back then. <laughs> being asked these questions by a congressman in a congressional hearing. We supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The, uh... <laughs> wow. Uh, my concern is that the whole island will become overly populated and tip over tip and over. capsize. <laughs> and especially because people have been taking too much water out of the center of the earth. It destabilized starting the island. To Get destabilized <laughs> and it could throw off the earth's axis by approximately 31 inches is that a concern <laughs> of yours centimeters Admiral? not inches <laughs> Wait, okay so interestingly one of the computers actually shed some light on how fake this is it's kind of ironic that it was one of the computer generated reports that that actually delivered a nugget of real information that tells you how fake this is listen to this in the new study researchers modeled the observed changes in the drift of earth's rotational pole and the movement of water first with only ice sheets and glaciers considered and then adding in different scenarios of groundwater redistribution 
The model matched the observed polar drift only once the researchers included 2,150 gigatons of groundwater redistribution. Okay, what? Did you hear that? The model only worked once they included the 2,150 gigatons of groundwater redistribution. So they made up this bogus model and then just adjusted the number until it made the model what they said it should be. Boom, magic. Has anybody ever seen the Earth? Uh, I mean, at least the pictures of it. It looks it's round. Huge. There's some debate about whether or not it's a sphere or if it's flat. I know some people out there, I think you've argued in the past that it might be flat. But uh, Well, know. I'm not necessarily a round earther. <laughs> you have, but I'm not, you're a skeptic. <laughs> I'm not a flat earther either. You're, just not, you're no longer is, willing to accept any official narrative, and I don't blame you. But No, the thing is, is I just love asking people if they're around Earther because it triggers them. <laughs> but, but in reality, the planet is so big, and if, you've, if, if we can accept the pictures we've been shown, it's like all water, the whole thing. The whole thing. But Jeremy. There's like a couple of pieces of land around. Jeremy, again, are you suggesting that that this is not real? Uh, let's let's just. That's exactly what I'm suggesting. Let me let me play one more clip for you that I found, and this one's very interesting, and I think proves who's doing this and why. Climate change is literally throwing the world off balance. Okay, that's Mark Kaufman, science reporter for Mashable. Mashable's, it's not, I don't know if I would, I don't know if you would call it mainstream. I guess maybe it's mainstream for this generation. I don't know. Climate change yeah, is it's like literally throwing. What's that? It's like a social networking site or something. I don't so, know. I don't know it? what the youngsters it's are like into. I think it's a sharing. Yeah. Climate okay. change. Anyways. That's a perfect opportunity for one of our younger producers to <laughs> send us an email at truth at truthbait.com and tell us uh, if, ma- if Mashable is mainstream. Climate change is literally throwing the world off balance. You probably know that Greenland is purging a ton of ice into the ocean. What you probably didn't know is that water is literally causing Earth's axis to shift. <laughs> Wait. I thought it was the groundwater we were taking out. Yeah. But this is saying that it's ice melting that's setting the earth off of its... Uh, uh, hold on. Well, that's the water being put back in. <laughs> Let's, let me just keep so playing. So it's both. This is, this is, this will, you'll see where this is going. Here's how that works. Think of earth like a spinning top. With the- All right. So before you were supposed to think of earth as a uh, washing machine. Washing machine. And now you need to think of earth as a spinning top. I love the way well, that's sort of the flat earth theory. <laughs> <laughs> they are it's a all, disc. They're all talk. They are all talking down to their audience. The, they, that's it's pretty enlightening what they must think of their audience that they need to come up with these simplistic ways of you need to think of the earth as a washing machine. Here's how that works. Think of earth like a spinning top with the axis as a line going straight through the middle. If you put more mass on one side than the other, the center line will shift. 
In 2016, NASA scientists used satellite observations to show that major ice loss played a big role in nudging Earth's axis eastward, starting around the year 2000. And new research found Earth's axis started its eastward swing away from the south a little earlier, starting in the 90s. Here's what's going on. For starters, water is really, really heavy. <laughs> like gigatons heavy. <laughs> Very heavy. A cubic meter of water around the size of a washing machine weighs one metric ton. We're back to the washing machine again, but that's not Earth, That's not all of Earth now, okay? This is a different washing machine that's just some water. Today, Greenland, which is driving a huge amount of axis shift, is losing 268 billion metric tons of ice into the ocean each year. Okay. Wait, he said a washing machine full of water is one metric ton? I think that's what he's saying. A gigaton is just not very much. I don't know what a metric ton means, but how much water is in a washing machine? About a, maybe 30, 40 gallons tops? About 12 pounds per gallon? Let's, let's, let's listen to him again here. A cubic meter of water around the size of a washing machine weighs one metric ton. So a cubic meter, which is around the size of a washing machine, weighs one metric ton. Oh, okay. So the size of a washing machine. All right. Well, I still have trouble believing that. And I don't even, you know, it depends on the washing machine, too. Yeah, I guess. He's using big washing machines. Uh, so uh, the interesting thing about this report is it's a year old. So a year ago, they hadn't, they were just getting, they hadn't, they hadn't really perfected the, the groundwater element of it. But no, this was the climate change. They included it. And, and, and right. This was, this was all climate change, except for they do include the groundwater. And the way they include the groundwater to me is the tell. Listen to it. Shifts are also caused when humans pump out masses of water that are naturally stored underground. For example, in India in 2010, people moved 92 trillion gallons of water from underground reservoirs onto agricultural fields. So, in researching the same story, we come across the mention of India. India is cited by example. There are any number of countries you could choose to cite by example. But they chose India. And who's, the, who's really India's main competitor? China. China. That's exactly right. And what they're what they're competing for is manufacturing. And manufacturing takes up a lot of water. So when you combine that with this is the same narrative. This is so this was a year ago, and like like we said, the bulk of it was on the environment and climate change, but they were they must have at some, at some point after they ran that they realized, ooh, the groundwater thing. We can really exploit that one. And when you combine that with again, it, this is the same storyline in a clip we found from this was you know these clips that we found other than that last one. These are all recent clips. These were all put up in the last week. 
And again, let me just play this one again. The study linking water distribution to polar drift marks the latest discovery in what's been a banner year for Earth sciences. In January, researchers in China put forth a theory suggesting the Earth's inner core was slowing down and possibly reversing. China's fingerprints are all over this field of study. And I think they're doing it to attack India. I think I think our producer Ryan M in Janesville, Wisconsin, stumbled upon something even bigger than he realized. That could be, or that could be a component of it because it's off. It seems awfully. I mean, it seems like an awfully good plan to just control people's water usage in general. Uh, yes, the, it is, does not need to be exclusively an attack on India. But when I think about, when I see China's narrative fingerprints in this story, which is a fake story that robots are putting, that are robots are voicing, so it's being spread inorganically. Uh, and then I see that a year ago, this narrative started to be injected, and it was an attack on India. I think, okay, well, that's China just having economic interests. And yes, you could use it any number of other ways. But thank you. Yeah, because like Ryan said, stop watering your lawn, you know, because you're throwing the world off. One of those reports actually said, uh, and I forget which one it was. Uh, I think it was in the Straight Arrow Network one where he said, uh, it's not humans, it's it's large corporations that are doing it. And that's actually, on one level, that's true. But last time I checked, corporations were staffed by humans and were uh, doing it on behalf of humans. So, mm. well, uh, thank you, Ryan. Great story. Yes, awesome. I don't I'm think going anybody to water needs my to worry lawn about all night long. And when you water your lawn, the water immediately goes back into the water table. No, that does not happen. It evaporates. <laughs> it does. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, did you, okay, so I once again I've sacrificed for the program, Jeremy. You, you know are that I the do sacrificer. This. Yes. Uh, there was a hearing, an, an incredibly important hearing. John Durham, it- special counsel, special prosecutor who was looking into malfeasance surrounding the investigation of the Trump campaign in 2016, the Steele dossier, uh, George Papadopoulos, all of that. And, and, and as you're aware, as most of our listeners are probably aware, there were no, there was one conviction uh, which was a pretty minor, it was a plea agreement, so it never went to trial, and two acquittals. And nobody of any consequence was held accountable in any meaningful way. But the Republicans had Durham come to the Hill, to the House Judiciary Committee, and give testimony about his report. Do you think anything useful came of it? Useful for who? <laughs> useful for you and me. Uh, not for the show. I mean, uh-huh. useful 
for humanity, for <laughs> useful us as for Americans. the cause of justice. Uh, I'm probably not. No, just red meat. And uh, let's play some of it. I I have gathered content that is not the red meat. There's a little bit of that red meat in there, but really what I gathered together is the content that I think is actually important. So if you did not want to watch all three hours of this testimony and you're sick of just seeing the clips that are being sent around that are just, that's the red meat, the stuff that ends up on social media. Oh, this this congressperson yelled at this congressperson. They talked over and things got heated. All the clickbait, all the clickbait. I'm bringing you the truth bait. Jeremy, we are bringing the truth bait. Let's start right here with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, who is chairing the committee. July 24th, 2019, Bob Mueller sat in this room, in that chair, and told this committee, no collusion, no conspiracy, no coordination between President Trump and Russia. None. What the Democrats say? We don't care. We're going to keep going after President Trump. In fact, they didn't even wait one day. The next day, the phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky became the basis for their impeachment. Republicans said maybe, maybe instead of the never-ending attacks on President Trump, maybe the country would be better off if we figured out how the whole false Trump-Russia narrative started. After two and a half years of the Mueller investigation, 19 lawyers, 40 agents, $30 million, where they found nothing, maybe, maybe we should figure out how the whole lie started. And that's exactly what Mr. Durham has done. To be clear, The Durham report is by itself a deeply flawed vessel. After four years, thousands of employee hours, and more than six and a half million dollars in taxpayer dollars, Special Counsel Durham failed to uncover any wrongdoing that Justice Department Inspector General Horowitz had not already found in 2019. He brought just two cases to trial and lost them both. Both defendants were acquitted in mere hours. The single conviction that Special Counsel Durham obtained involved a single charge of lying to the FBI, a case developed and handed to him by the Inspector General, and one resolved by a quick plea bargain. I really hate to say it, but I completely agree with Nadler, Congressman Nadler, in that second clip. There is nothing in the Durham report that wasn't in the IG report. Nothing. We could stop right here. (laughs) That could be the end of our coverage. Well, did you do the IG report? Uh, Did I? What do you mean? Did I do it? Did you watch? Did you watch the IG report and then clip it for the show? (laughs) No, I did not. Okay. So then, Bart, then we have to do it. Yeah, I, I think we should. Uh, because this is the show. This is all the show. The whole thing is a giant distraction. And, but there are good points to be gleaned from it. So let's go ahead and glean it. And our our audience, you know, some in our audience, I'm sure, have been paying very close attention to all of this throughout uh, I know for a fact there are a few members of our audience who've been who this will be review 
for them. For a lot of people, though, they, they've sort of tuned it out. It's in the background. They've made up their mind. They know it's a, that, that Trump was railroaded, and that's all they need to know. So they don't really pay attention to the details. I've distilled this down. Let me, let me go ahead and start. We'll, we'll make our way through this. Uh, Mr. I tuned it out. What's that? I tuned it out. Okay, good. Then this is. I'm with those. I'm with that part of the audience. Then this is for you guys. Uh, Mr. Durham, in the summer of 2016, did our government receive intelligence that suggested Secretary Clinton had approved a plan to tie President Trump to Russia? Yes. Was that intelligence important enough? for Director Brennan to go brief the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States, and the Director of the FBI? Yes. And was that intelligence put then into a memorandum, a referral memorandum? Yes. And was that memorandum then given to Director Comey and Agent Strzok? That's who it was addressed to, yes. Did Director Comey share that memorandum with the FISA court? I'm, I'm sorry, can Did you? Did he share that memorandum with the FISA court? Did Director Comey do that? I'm not aware of that if he did. Did he share it with the, with the lawyers preparing the FISA application? Not to my knowledge. Did he? Okay, so just to, just to recap, I want to make sure everybody's following along here. What he's talking about is the CIA, uh, Brennan, if you take them at face value, what he's saying is that, is that Brennan catches word that Hillary Clinton is concocting a plan to smear Donald Trump as being involved with Russia. She was going to put a cloud around him using Russia. And Brennan, motivated by I don't know what, uh, sends out a memo to everybody, all the top people, Obama, uh, uh, Biden, uh, uh, Comey, all the top people at the FBI, all the top people in the White House. And what he says there is, did Comey then share the information that, 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 that all of this intel might be coming from Hillary Clinton's opposition research, which would discredit it tremendously? Here, they're, they're saying, no, Comey did not share that with the FBI who were on the ground investigating this. The FISA court. He said the FISA court. Well, That's where it, they go for the yes, secret well, and he's talking about. Well, he's talking about, did you share it with the FBI who were, who the FBI uh, members who were preparing the briefs for the FISA court? The, they were using mm-hmm. the information in the dossier right. okay. to go for those FISA warrants. The, the foreign, uh, oh, I had it, FISA. Um Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which is what allows the uh, uh, FBI and, and in, uh, other intel agencies to spy on foreign uh, adversaries. So and Americans and and apparently Americans. Uh, so that's just that that uh, brief recap for you. We'll keep going here. He share it with the not to my knowledge. Did he share it with the agents on the case working the Crossfire Hurricane case? No. Didn't share it with the agents on the case. Can you tell the committee what happened when you took that referral memo and shared it with one of those agents, specifically Supervisory Special Agent Number One? Uh, he immediately became uh, emotional, uh, got up and left the room with his lawyer, um, spent some time in the hallway, came back. Um, he was ticked ex- off, wasn't he? 
Yes. He was ticked off because this is something he should have had as an agent on the case. It's important information that the director of the FBI kept from the people doing the investigation. The information was kept from him. <coughs> Who's Charles Dolan? Charles Dolan uh, is a public uh, relations person here in uh, Washington, D.C. He had uh, prior involvement, professional involvement with the uh, Russian government, representing Russian government interests. Uh, he was a person that was associated with Igor uh, Danchenko. Um, he was also buddies with the Clintons, wasn't he? Uh, he had um, held positions um, when uh, President Clinton was president. And their campaign advisory to Secretary Clinton's presidential campaign, executive director of the Democrat Governors Association, that's the same Charles Dolan we're talking about? Uh, yes. Yeah, and wasn't he also a key source for information in the dossier? He provided some information that was included in Ritz the dossier, Ritz-Carlton yes. stuff, the Manafort stuff, in the the Ritz Carlton stuff was the I won't I won't get too explicit, but that was the that was the really vulgar stuff that was in the, uh -huh. the dossier. Um, right. You know, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. No, they accused President Trump of participating in very you know grotesque behavior, and it didn't seem to be true, but. Crossfire hurricane no. investigation and the Mueller investigation. When the FBI interviewed Mr. Dolan, what did he have to say? Um, to my knowledge, they didn't interview Mr. Dolan. They didn't interview this guy? Source for the dossier? Key information in the dossier? Buddies with the Clintons? They didn't talk to him? No. I mean, we report on that because um, even Christopher Steele in October 2016 identified Dolan as somebody that might have information. The I find it interesting they didn't talk to him. What, there were, were there agents on the case who wanted to talk to Mr. Dolan, Mr. Durham? Yes. What happened to analyst number one? She kept pushing to talk to... Mr. Dolan, she was ultimately turned down. What happened to her the day that she was turned down and said, no, no, you're, we're not talking to Dolan. What happened to her? Um, at or about the same time, she was assigned to a different project. They moved her. They said, we can't have this. We can't have that. We can't be looking into the Clinton's buddy, a key source for the dossier. They reassigned her. Let's recap that for just a moment. Because this is how disgusting this whole situation was with the dossier. Hillary funded the investigation that became the dossier. She paid her attorneys at Perkins Coie, and they hired Fusion GPS, who hired Christopher Steele, who then paid, I believe paid, uh, this Igor Denshinko, who is basically, wait, you'll hear more about Danchenko. The guy, huh, he's under, he was under investigation. Prior to this, he was under investigation from the FBI as potentially a uh, Russian asset. Okay? They, they, had a, they were investigating him before all of this. And Danchenko is working with... Charles Dolan, who is Hillary's bag man in this case, I guess. So Hillary has her fingerprints on it from front to back. She started it and she was there essentially in the room through Dolan. And what does the FBI do when they realize that one of the main sources for Steele's dossier is Danchenko, 
who they had previously investigated, oh, they put him on the payroll and make him a confidential human source, which meant nobody could talk to him and they didn't have to identify him. That's quite a swing from being investigated by the FBI and then ending up in a totally unrelated matter being paid by the FBI. Seems like that happens kind of often. Yeah, right. Here is, yeah, here's more. So this fantasy that some MAGA Republicans have created, where the investigation was started for any reason other than a Trump campaign operative bragging to Australian intelligence assets about Russian dirt that would damage Hillary Clinton is not true. And when the FBI received that information, according to your report, it had not just the predication to investigate, there is no question, you wrote, that the FBI had an affirmative obligation to closely examine the Australian information. Isn't that right? The FBI had an obligation to examine That's correct. So the origin of the investigation was not the Steele dossier. It was not Alpha Bank. It was a Trump aide's loose lips about his campaign's advanced view into a hack that had a profound effect on the 2016 election. In this instance, um, the information that they had received from Papadopoulos about a suggestion of a suggestion, and not anything about emails, but just a suggestion of a suggestion, was sufficient um, and would have been, uh, would have required the FBI to take a look at, well, what is this about? You open it as an assessment, and then you would analytically go try to collect intelligence that either supports or refutes or explains that information. That's the whole purpose of it. You assess it, and then you can move to a preliminary investigation. And if the evidence bears it out, then you go to a full investigation where you have all the uh, tools available, including the most intrusive uh, physical surveillance and electronic surveillance of U.S. citizens. And here, they just immediately want to open it as a full investigation without ever having talked to the Australians or gathered other evidence. And, when, and, and let me stop you. When the FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane, that's the issue at hand, it did not have any information that anyone in the Trump campaign had ever been in contact with Russian intelligence officials. Isn't that right? As we wrote in, as we wrote in the, um, uh, the report, we talked to the director of the CIA, the deputy director of the CIA, the director of NSA, um, uh, and people within the uh, FBI, and there was no such information that they had in their holdings at the time they opened Crossfire Hurricane. So they knew, remember at the time, they knew that... They also had the dossier, but that it was worthless. They knew it. And they still needed a predicate because they desperately wanted to spy on Trump. And frankly, when I look at this, I think the dossier may have just been the shiny object. It was very salacious. Nothing in it was provable, absolutely nothing. They couldn't corroborate a single thing in it. It was a fabrication from start to finish. I think that was the shiny object because the real criminal behavior was their spying, the way that they manipulated the FISA court to get the warrant. And really, Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos... And we'll get into his background just to re- to refresh people's memories. But uh, he was basically used as an excuse to open this full-blown investigation 
Okay. Once they had the full-blown investigation going, that was what triggered their ability to go seek FISA warrants. All right? So that's the next step. So they use Papadopoulos. They're, they really, frankly, aren't even using the dossier consequentially in this particular aspect of it. Now, Papadopoulos. Who's Papadopoulos? Papadopoulos is... I have his info here. Uh, he was a low-level guy working on the Trump campaign. And he was basically set up by a guy named Mifsud. And Mifsud... wasn't it? Misfud? I think it's Mifsud. Mifsud. Hmm. And... Yeah, it's Mifsud. And Mifsud is a interesting character. You're going to hear more about him later on. You're going to hear a lot more about him later on. Uh, but there's a, a, a lot of speculation that he that Mifsud works for Intel, either Western Intel or even potentially, even maybe more likely, Russian Intel. And they set Papadopoulos up by by basically feeding him information that that they were uh that he was uh, had access to that Mifsud had access to uh Hillary Clinton's emails and that Russia would be disseminating them at a time that was advantageous for Trump. And Papadopoulos is he's basically nobody. And uh he ends up becoming they they ingratiate themselves and they make him feel important and he ends up in australia at this luncheon with uh, or a lunch with uh the uh, it was the former prime minister of australia uh where is his name i had his name and now it eludes me hang on Uh, Isn't it brown or something? Um, <laughs> uh, hold on a second. I think I it was brown it. or something. Uh, Downer, Alexander Downer, Australian yeah, High Commissioner to the United Kingdom. Alexander Downer. So he ends up in this lunch with Alexander Downer, and he mentions what this guy Mifsud had said to him. And uh, the, and uh, uh, Downer was informing for the FBI. He went right to the FBI with it. And the FBI, as Durham says, well, that information's enough to, to, yeah, you would look into that. Why would you not look into that? You would look into that. But then once you, you would look into it in a preliminary way. And then if you found something that was worth looking deeper into, you would go to a second level, which is still intermediate. That's a preliminary investigation. And then if you really find something, that's when you go to the full-blown investigation. But they skipped all that and went right to the, to the full investigation. At the direction of FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe and FBI Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence Peter Strzok, Crossfire Hurricane was opened immediately. Is that correct? 
That's correct. First, let's talk about who these two characters were. On page nine of your report, it says Strzok and Deputy Director McCabe's special assistant had pronounced hostile feelings, hostile feelings toward Trump. In text messages before and after the opening of Crossfire Hurricane, the two had referred to him as loathsome, an idiot, Donald Trump an idiot, someone who should lose to Clinton 100 million to zero, and Strzok once wrote, will stop, meaning Trump, from becoming president. So here we have these two leaders in the FBI, struck clearly expressing his hatreds towards Trump from the beginning, opening an investigation six months before the 2016 election. And where are these two guys now? McCabe, he's been a contributor at CNN, the Clinton News Network, since 2019, and Strzok is an expert on the Marlago raid. Strzok is an expert on the Marlago raid. Within days after opening Crossfire Hurricane, the FBI opened full investigations on members of the Trump campaign team. The FBI then began working on requests of the use of FISA authorities against Carter Page. Is that correct? That's correct. Folks, let me highlight who this American hero is. And this is very interesting. This is, this is why I began to think that the dossier is the shining object. And... Because this is really, this is egregious what they did. First, listen to what this, what, what, uh, what this is Rep. Uh, Niles, uh, Congressman Niles. He's, listen to him describe Carter Page. Carter Page was painted as an alleged Russian agent. Carter Page served his nation honorably. He was a Naval Academy graduate, and the FBI spied on Carter Page through the use of FISA authority. Sir, do you believe that this FISA warrant against Carter Page was flawed? Yes. Mr. Durham, Section 702 of, of, of FISA expires this year, and I'm sure you're familiar with FISA and Section 702. Just for the people listening at home, FISA stands for the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which was created in 1978. In 2008, FISA 702 was added. Section 702 was created for us to have the authority to spy on non-U.S. citizens, non-U.S. citizens. Mr. Durham, we all know that Carter Page is an American citizen who served his nation honorably, and yet the FBI conducted surveillance, including wiretaps, based on falsified information provided by agents in the FBI. Mr. Page was an honest American, innocent man. Mr. Durham, the FBI obviously abused its FISA authority. They went after Carter Page, and it's my intent, and I hope the intent of my colleagues, that we do not reauthorize Section 702 because the FBI cannot be trusted. Note that he's not saying that they should not reauthorize FISA at all. Right. They're talking about just reforming Section 702. And that is actually the hidden news story in this entire hearing that nobody covered that at the end of the day, we're still going to have FISA at the end of this. The Republicans are yep. all on board for FISA. The secret court where you don't get a yep. lawyer. You don't even know you've been presented in front of the secret court. The people accusing you are responsible for providing exculpatory evidence. That's American. That sounds constitutional. And they didn't do it. There was a mountain of exculpatory evidence, and they didn't produce any of it. And, and, ha, huh, Jeremy, hmm, 
You want to know the worst part about the FBI going after Carter Page? They had they went after the reason that they went after Carter Page was because he had had previous association with Russians. It was it fit good it fit well for them in their narrative, and it and it made it work for the FISA court because that was the foreign component of it. Because once they've once they they can listen into Americans who are connected to foreign bad actors and wrongdoing, so that's how they backdoored listening in on the Trump campaign. By using Carter Page as the doorway. And this is how disgusting that is. And, and again, this is when I read this to you, this is why I believe the dossier was the shiny object. This is from a website called Investment Watch. Carter Page set up by FBI. He was an FBI employee. FBI told FISA court he was a Russian spy. This is from February 6, 2018. Carter Page was an undercover FBI agent who helped to bring down a Russian spy ring. Later, the FBI used him and set him up by telling the FISA court he was a Russian spy. While working as an undercover agent to bring down the Russian spy ring, he met with the Russians, of course. The FBI took those meetings and later used them to make him look like a Russian spy. That was smart. That is evil. I mean evil. (laughs) That's the enemy inside the gate right there. And that's why they had the, I think that's what the dossier was distracting from. It created a cloud around Trump. It was salacious. It was really, you know, it was bait. It was clickbait. Nobody could look away from it. But it it also kept your eye off of what they were doing to Carter Page. Here's more. What did the investigators mean when they said they hoped the returns on... Oh, here's another example of just how corrupt these people are and what our constitution means to them. What did the investigators mean when they said they hoped the returns on the Carter Page FISA application would, quote, self-corroborate? <clears throat> that is another uh, troublesome uh, thing. Maybe agent was they're saying, well, if we can get on um, um, surveillance, electronic surveillance of Page, then we'll find out essentially whether we really do have probable cause or not. I mean, it would self-corroborate in that sense. Well, that's just brilliant. So, we spy on somebody to see whether or not we have a legal reason to spy on them. And the only way we can know whether or not we have a legal reason to spy on them is to spy on them. Of course. Brilliant. However, not one person went to jail and Clinton campaign operatives like Jake Sullivan now have the highest national security position in our government who's actually driving a very slow response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Do you believe that justice has been served? I can speak to what um, my, t- my team and I uh, did, which was to try Just to- tell me yes or no. Do you believe it has been served? We try to serve justice to the best of our ability. Okay. Yeah, that's a really, that's a great strong answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like we try to show up every Tuesday and Friday. <laughs> hey, we, we do, we are. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. 
You, you mentioned that the FISA court uh, criticized the misleading and, and false information that was used to request the FISA warrants, but did the FISA court hold anyone in contempt for that? Uh, not to my knowledge. Did they apply any sanctions to anyone responsible for that? Um, uh, not to my knowledge. They did, issued, did they you know, even yell at anybody? They, they issued an appropriately harsh uh, memo. An appropriately harsh memo. All right. And this is the last thing I'll play, and it's 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 sizable. It's not as long as what we played on the last podcast. Uh, but it is it's a this is Matt Gates really delivering the fire. Uh which will go nowhere, but it is good fire. Um it's hard to disagree with anything that he says in here. It starts with Thomas Massey, uh, who basically sets up Durham for Matt Gates. This seems to all started with one person, but I don't see his name in your report. I see it in Mueller's report 89 times. Who did Mr. Papadopoulos meet with that, that gave him this supposed Russian information? When Mr. Papadopoulos was interviewed by the FBI, um, he had identified Joseph Mifsud, um, as a person who provided him that information. Did you interview Joseph Misfit? We attempted to um, interview him. Uh, we pursued um, every lead that we had. We talked to a lawyer that he had in Europe, but we never were able to actually make contact is, with him so do, we could interview him. Do you think he's a, a, a Western source? Is he associated with Western intelligence? Um, it's hard to say who Mr. Mifsud is associated with. He was tied up with Link University. Um, Mr. Scotti, who had um, involvement in the Italian government, and mm, they were acquainted. I, um, it's hard to say who Mifsud is. I'm, I'm going to yield the remainder of my time to Mr. Gates. Hard to say who Mifsud is. He's the guy who started the whole thing. We've known it for years. Go ahead and play the video. When this and he, right now he's playing a video of Jim Jordan at a hearing three years ago uh, when Mueller came to present his report. Special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud. Did he lie to you guys too? Can't get into that. Now the lie that he's talking about is uh, this is from a August fourteenth, twenty twenty story. Um, oh wait, wait, wait! No, 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 no! no. Sorry, uh, April nineteenth, twenty nineteen. Mueller claimed Joseph Mifsud lied to the FBI about Papadopoulos' contacts, but he wasn't charged. All right, so he lied. Papadopoulos was charged with lying and spent 14 months in jail, but Mifsud, Mifsud wasn't even charged. Uh, according to Mueller's report, Mifsud denied having advanced knowledge that Russia had Clinton emails. He also claims Papadopoulos was mistaken in claiming that they discussed the topic. According to Mueller and Co., Mifsud also falsely claimed that uh, claimed he did not meet with Papadopoulos after his initial introductory meeting with uh, with Polanskaya, uh, who was somebody else that they were meeting with. Uh, but emails, text messages, and other documentation showed Mifsud and Papadopoulos did meet at least two other times, as Papadopoulos claimed. So they put Papadopoulos in jail for lying to the FBI, but they also used him as proof that 
Mifsud was lying and that Papadopoulos was telling the truth. It's an absolute mess. But meanwhile, so the point is that they're, uh, they had reason to go after Mifsud, and they didn't. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence Can't or Russian intelligence? Can't get into that. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us. And you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again. And you don't charge him with a crime. Maybe a better course of action is to figure out how the false accusation started. Maybe it's to go back and actually figure out why Joseph Mifsud was lying to the FBI. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing. And thank goodness for that. That's exactly what the Attorney General and John Durham are doing. Well, Mr. Durham, was that what you were doing? It, I'm sorry, is that what? Was finding out who Mifsud was what you were doing? We pursued um, that avenue, yes. Right, but was he... This whole thing was an op, Mr. Durham. This wasn't like a bumbling, fumbling FBI that like couldn't get FISA straight. They ran an op. So who put Mifsud in play? You don't know, do you? I do not know that. I can't but give you the for answer. For years, you had years to find out the answer to what Mr. Jordan said was the seminal question, and you don't have it. And it just, it just begs the question whether or not you were really trying to find that out. Because it's one thing to, to criticize the FBI for their FISA violations, to write a report. They've been criticized in plenty of reports. Some have referred to your work as just a repackaging and regurgitation of what the Inspector General already told us. So if you, if you weren't going to do what Mr. Jordan said you were going to do in that video and give us the basis for all of it, what's this all been about? Don't you love it when Matt Gates and, and Gerald Nadler agree? Yeah. <laughs> they basically said the same thing. And he's absolutely right. They're both right. Well, I'm not exactly sure the import of your question. If, you, if your question is, did we try to locate and interview Mr. Mifsud, the answer is yes. Why didn't you subpoena him? We expended... Wait, why didn't you subpoena him to a grand jury? I'm sorry, why not? Why didn't you send him a grand jury subpoena? Mr. Mifsud? You'd have to find Mr. Mifsud before you could serve a grand jury subpoena on him. Well, you guys were out in Italy. Was it you and Bill Barr looking for authentic pasta over there or Mifsud? No, we, uh, we not. <laughs> um, we were looking for information that might help us locate Mifsud. But you know who I think could probably locate him? The features of, uh, of Western intelligence and possibly our own government that put him in play. Like, your report seems to be less an indictment of the FBI and more of an inoculation. It's just hard to like pretend as though this was a sincere effort when you don't get to the fundamental thing that started the whole deal. I yield back. I was away from my family for four years, so essentially doing this investigation is, my view, is a sincere effort. And it's just like, oh, well, Bill Priestep, the guy who might have set this whole op in motion, he just didn't want to talk to you about certain things. And Matt, Matt Gates drops that in there. And I, I was confused. I, t Bill Priestep is not a name that I've seen front and center in this narrative. Do you know the name Bill Priestep? No. I just thought the same thing when I heard it. And I went back uh, to try and find any transcript that had any other mention of Priestep in this hearing, and I couldn't find it. So the, this was just mysteriously just plop, dropped right there in the middle of what he's saying. Um, 
This was what is this is from August 14th, 2020. Lindsey Graham revealed on Friday that Bill Priestap, the FBI's former head of counterintelligence, is the official he claims gave misleading information to the Senate Intelligence Committee in 2018 about the reliability of British ex-spy Christopher Steele's anti-Trump dossier. So Bill Priestap is the FBI lawyer who is running the legal element of Crossfire Hurricane. He is the top legal guy at FBI running this entire operation. And he absolutely knows, without question, the, the providence of the Steele dossier and how crooked it all was and who the sources were. But there he is in 2018, <coughs> years after the source was used, years after the fact, and he's sitting there in front of the Senate committee telling them, representing to them that it's reliable. Maybe not corroborated, but reliable. Yeah, let's see. A year after the subsource told the FBI in 2017 there is zero corroboration for the dossier, I wouldn't trust it with a solid grain of salt, hearsay, bar talk, they knew for over a year, and now you've got Bill Priestep on February 15, 2018, with four other people from the FBI briefing the Senate Intel Committee, completely whitewashing the truth about the reliability of the dossier. So that's who Bill Priestep is. And Matt Gates is essentially saying, Bill Priestep is the guy who set all of this in motion. Now, I, don't, I couldn't find anything else that backs that up, but I found that very interesting that Matt Gates dropped that. And you were real accommodating to that. And then Mifsud, the person who juices Papadopoulos to create this predicate that you find improper. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on it. What he said is that uh, Bill Priestep wouldn't make himself available. They couldn't, they couldn't get him for questioning. So Durham didn't even talk to him. And they're upset because there were all these people that refused to speak. Uh, Page, Stroke, all of them. They all refused to talk. And so that just was like, well, okay, I guess we'll leave it there. And it's just like, oh, well, Bill Priestep, the guy who might have set this whole op in motion, he just didn't want to talk to you about certain things, and you were real accommodating to that. And then Mifsud, the person who juices Papadopoulos to create this predicate that you find improper, you guys, you, I mean, did you ever know who his lawyer was, Mifsud's lawyer? I talked to his lawyer in Europe. Not a, I don't know if so he wait, wait, You could find the guy's States. lawyer, but you couldn't find him? We uh, contacted uh, somebody that we knew it had, rep had represented him and it, it part of the effort to try to locate him. And you got the lawyer. And then now you're, you're sitting here in front of the judiciary saying you could find the guy's lawyer, but you couldn't effectuate the service of a subpoena because you couldn't find him? Well, you, first you know of all, that sounds? as you may or may not know, we wouldn't have um, the authority to serve a subpoena overseas. Um, the lawyer didn't know where Mifsud was. He was in communication uh, with him, but he claimed not to know where he was. And we are trying to arrange um, an opportunity to talk to Mifsud. Did you take uh, possession of two BlackBerry phones from Mifsud in any way? There were phones that were provided to us by oh, so you could find Mifsud's the phones lawyer. with the guy. Correct. Do you see how silly this looks? Like you found the lawyer, you found the phones, but the actual dude who yeah. got ordered by Western Intelligence to go start this thing you couldn't find? It, it, it's it's kind of laughable. It seems like more than disappointment. It seems like you weren't really trying to expose the true core of the corruption, that you were trying to, you were trying to go at it another way. 
the entire Mueller team does a hard reset on their Apple phone in synchronization to wipe away evidence. Did you investigate that? I've read that. Well, why didn't, did you investigate it? Who gave the order on the Mueller team to, to wipe the phones? Yeah, that was not something that we were um, asked to look at, and we well, didn't no, look that's at that. not true, Mr. Durham. That is not true, because I'm holding the document that authorizes your activity, and it specifically says the investigation of special counsel Robert Mueller. It's in par Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record the order that says that you're supposed to inter investigate these things. And so, like, whether it's the Mueller team, Mifsud, how about Azra Turk? Azra Turk, what's Azra Turk's real name? Do you know that? I'm not going to be disclosing the names of FBI personnel that are oh, otherwise unavailable. But, but an FBI, so the FBI sends somebody to go honeypot George Papadopoulos. Who gave the order to do that? I think that's beyond the scope of what's in the report. It's literally the scope of what your charging order is. Who put it in motion? We get after it was put in motion, the FBI did a bunch of wrong and corrupt things. Totally understand we're trying to deal with that. But when you are part of the cover-up, Mr. Durham, mm. then it makes our job harder. Mm. Yeah, well, if that's your thought, I mean, there's no way of dissuading you from that. I can tell you that it's offensive and that the people who worked on this investigation have spent their lives trying to protect the people in this country and pursue within the law you went what it is that we, two, could, we are authorized Wait, to do. On. You tried two cases, lost both of them, and then the one plea, guilty plea you got, Kleinsmith, Kleinsmith is back to practicing law in Washington, D.C. today. Yeah, that's beyond my control. Right, but, but the, f the fact that you allowed that plea to occur, right? And, and then the punishment was insufficient. The fact that you didn't, you didn't charge Andrew McCabe, you didn't convict the lying Democrats or the lying Russians, you didn't investigate Mifsud or the Mueller probe, even though, as we sit here today in black letter, that was your charge. Have you ever heard of the Washington Generals? Uh, the Washington Generals, yes. Yeah, and, and they're the team that basically gets paid to show up and lose, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm sure that the players who... Um, exert blood, sweat, and tears, don't view it that way, but you might. I think they do. I think they do because the job of the Washington generals is to show up every night and to play the Harlem Globetrotters. And their job oh, I'm is thinking, to lose. I'm sorry, of a different, I was thinking of a different Yeah, thing. yeah, so their job is to lose. And I'm kind of wondering, and, and it, just see, it just seems so facially obvious that it's not what's in your report that's telling, it's the omission. It's the lack of work you did. And for the people like the chairman who put trust in you, I think you let them down. I think you let the country down. And you are one of the barriers to the true accountability that we need. Hard to disagree wow. with anything in that. I was blown away that Matt Gates said all of that. He called it an op. How much is Russia paying us for this segment? <laughs> Oh, that's a very good question. Russia's not paying us anything for this segment, which is why we need what? to tell people how it is that we pay for everything it, it is we're doing here at the Truth Bait Podcast. Yes, we don't have Russia. We don't have corporate sponsors. We have citizen sponsors. And boy, have they been paying dividends for this episode. This is a fantastic episode. Our citizen sponsors are shining. 
Uh, they have been participating. If you find value in what we are doing in this podcast, we ask you to return value to the podcast so that we can keep it going. One of the ways that we say that you can return value is by sending us material, sending us the things you see. You see a clip, send it to us. You see an interesting story, send it to us. Tell us what you think is interesting about it. Tell us where in the clip you think we should be looking. And let me tell you, that is how you end up producers of the Truth Bait podcast. And that is how, in our first segment, we had Ryan M. Ryan M. Yeah. Producer Ryan M. And uh, we have another producer coming up in the, the after this section, after this segment, uh, who brought us content, uh, Al and Joliet. You guys are amazing. We need more of this. We want to grow this community. So another way that you can show value to the podcast is by sharing the show. Sharing the show... Uh, and rating the show, as we talked about at the, at the beginning of the program, that's incredibly helpful to us. It, it makes it more exciting, more interesting. Uh, there will only be a, a wider variety of content brought to you by a wider variety of expertise that is distributed in the community that we are growing with this program. It's very exciting. Jeremy? I'm with you, man. I think we've had great uh, response on the citizen uh, listener producer front this week. Want to keep it up? That, like I said, made my work a lot easier today because I knew where to look for what people want to hear about. So I, I, I would keep it up. It's I, frankly, I find it fun when. You know, when we're sent a, a story, we weren't even sent video. We were sent that story. To it was an article. Right. About then I got Earth to go tilting. look for something to go with it. Right. right. And then I got to go look. Right. Yeah. And then it makes you start it more going fun. down the rabbit hole. Yep. Right. No, it makes it more fun. It makes producing the show more fun. Absolutely. Uh, truth at truthbait.com. That is where you should send us your. Send us your ideas. Send us your compliments. Send us your criticism. Jeremy, I'm, I want you to know, I think a, a big hurdle to us taking this podcast to the next level is a web, is having a website, having a web presence, and a companion email list that goes with it uh, so that yeah. we can regularly communicate with people about what's on the program, when the program is... Uh, you know, it's it, it's easier for people to share the show when they have an email that they could forward to somebody. Uh, I think that's the next big step. And I want you to know that I've reached out to somebody, and uh, somebody who I'm I think we should begin working with, who's going to hopefully take over getting the website up. I know that executive producer Ann has produced a page. And that probably will be the first thing that we go up with. Uh, but I want you to know, I tried. I logged in to where we have the website uh, up, not public, but where it's staged right now. And I, I attempted to take the settings there and apply them to the domain so that when you go to the domain, uh, truthbait.com, that you get the website that that our other executive producer Anne has created, 
and I, I, the whole thing crashed and burned. <laughs> it did not work. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, we didn't have email access anymore. And it was a good thing I had saved all the old settings because I had to revert back to all of the old settings. And thankfully, our email started to flow again. And I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to manage sites. There used to be only really two lines of information that you needed to fill in to direct your, uh, uh, you know, the name server to, you know, direct the, the, I, the, the ISP traffic the way that it needed to go. And uh, now it's much more complicated than that. Uh, and uh, admittedly, it's been a number of years since I attempted to administer a site. I don't even, I don't even, I have andrewmarcus.com, which I use for email as well. And I suppose people can reach me at andrew at andrewmarcus.com, but don't bother because if you call, if you reach me about truth bait stuff at that address, I won't respond. If you want to reach me about truth bait stuff, you need to write me at andrew at andrew, I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> andrew at truthbait.com uh, or truth at truthbait.com. Uh, Send your criticisms to Jeremy at uh, truthbait.com. This person, you know this person, Jeremy. Yeah. Can you guess who I'm talking about? I don't know. He's related to our other executive producer. That's Mm. all I'm going to say. I don't want to put him under any pressure. I don't know whether or not... He may have one conversation with me and be like, no, not working with you. You're a lunatic. Uh, Or, you know, he may listen to the program and decide, no, I can't do that. I will not be associated with you. Is he a website designer? Is he a website builder? He has experience managing website projects. Hmm. He helped me with another website in the past. Oh, I know who you're talking about. So I was supposed to talk with him today, but the day got away from us. And as you know, we're recording very late today. We recorded very late on Tuesday. Uh, and in fact, yes. on, the, on the East Coast, it was already Wednesday when the episode posted. But I still think it's technically it was Tuesday because on the West Coast, it was still Tuesday. And that's probably going to be the case again tonight. But So that's going to be... Well, hopefully it'll happen. I think it's an important step, and I think it'll help us move this to the next level. Yes, I agree. Uh, Did you see Al and Juliet sent some stories? He's been sending us amazing stuff, a lot of amazing stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, I have... I have something from him. You have something from him as well, correct? Yeah. What do you have from him? He, let's 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 get into had, this. Uh, he's a he's a great producer. <clears throat> he had something come in from Michigan about uh it's a first amendment issue. They're they're expanding their hate crime laws into uh well, it seems like hate speech laws, I guess. And whether or not they would, hurt, you know, things you say would hurt people's feelings or I'm waiting for the hate unsafe thought, the for hate some thought reason. laws where you're Those not even coming. allowed to have hateful thoughts. Those are coming. Thought crimes. Uh, so this was a uh, yeah, so this was Michigan, but I thought it was funny cuz it's all about not hating people. 
and not using hateful things in your speech. Uh, but it sounds like it might pass. Here, House Bill 4474, and it would also put in to this new this new bill would be putting in uh, protection against religion and other cultural properties. Sponsoring this bill is State Rep Noah Arbit, who believes that there's not just one victim of a hate crime when it happens. It victimizes the entire community that is targeted. This coming after a UP man was arrested for making anti-Semitic threats and threats of domestic terrorism after he threatened a mass killing at a synagogue in East Lansing. Hatred against Jewish people is real. It is real. It is dangerous. And it's often sort of the gateway drug to to much worse. In the report, there's direct messages that were sent by 19-year-old Sean. Did he just compare Jews to cigarettes? So <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me. I feel <laughs> I feel distinctly compared to a camel white. To me, it sounds like they if anybody has a opposition to this, <laughs> they're anti-Semitic. They wouldn't set this up as a as a uh protection for Jews. And for everybody else. But they're putting the Jews in front of the other issues, the LGBTQ whatever issues. And, that I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Well, clearly from that news report. Sean Patella, who sent them through Instagram. And that's where he talked about getting guns and how many people he planned on killing. Arbit doesn't believe the current laws on the books are strong enough and wants to strengthen the existing laws and make it known that hate crimes in Michigan carry strong consequences. Right now, in the state of Michigan, uh, hate crimes against gay people, against disabled people, um, against uh, the elderly cannot be prosecuted. Um, so making sure that we're expanding it, strengthening penalties. Isn't it already illegal to commit crimes against people? Yes. <laughs> and that's what they talked about in uh, this other report, this local Michigan report on NBC. And he goes into that. This happened this week. I uh, want to get your take on it. The state house passing a package of bills to reclassify what constitutes a hate crime, uh, plus new charges in the signature scandal of the gubernatorial candidates that were disqualified. Let's start with this hate crime bill. What can you tell us? So under the old law, it's, it's, it's making its way through the legislature now, but under the current law, but it, it will be the old law, if you did something that was based on some kind of discrimination based on religion or ethnicity or race, I sent a bad name to you, I uh, wrote something that's a racist type of thing, um, I could be charged with ethnic intimidation. That's the old law. The new law that just passed the House, it's not law yet, but it probably will get there, they're going to increase that. So they're going to increase to based on sexual orientation or age or gender identity or physical or mental disabilities, and they're going to include if you deface uh, a, a person with some property. Mm -hmm. This all stemmed from, remember the synagogues a couple, maybe a couple months or so ago where people yeah. spray painting uh, churches, mm -hmm. uh, synagogues, and there's really no crime other than malicious destruction of property, but now they're going to add. If the, if the crime 
involves something involving ethnic intimidation or sexual orientation or age mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. you can get an extra charge. And that's what the legislature wants to do. It probably will pass. Hmm. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of opposition. It passed the House 59 to 50. I actually thought that's a little, a little bit too close. I All thought, right. But. He, he says, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of opposition to this. It was 59 to 50. <laughs> Doesn't take a whole lot of imagination. <laughs> he catches himself being surprised at that uh, thing that there was a whole lot of opposition to. But uh, it seems like it, it sounds like I saw a couple other clips and it looks like it's going to pass. And you know, they have that crazy nut job. Uh, governor there she would sign anything to abridge first amendment rights i'm sure it'll pass you get the pandering you deserve uh so yeah and i I love how they keep throwing in there like uh if it if anything to do with like graffiti on a church or a synagogue they keep putting that in there or anything that you say about somebody that hurts their feelings and you should go to jail for it i think that what what people need to do is only from now on only graffiti like restricted country clubs (laughs) <laughs> you know, country clubs that will only have Christian, white Christians in it. I don't think there are very many restricted country clubs anymore, but. No, but they'll just use that for the reason for this law anyways. I mean, that's what they're doing. So anyways, that was from Al. Al sent another story. Uh, He sent the. The gay California couple sues fertility clinic because their gestational carrier had a girl baby. I think I heard about this. A California couple, soon to become the analog of Florida man. (laughs) California couple is about to become Florida man. Florida man's a meme uh, because crazy things happen in Florida. You'll see a lot of crazy stories in the news that start with Florida man did this or, you know, uh, uh, so California couple is is hot on its heels, uh, has sued a Pasadena in vitro fertilization clinic for breach of contract, medical malpractice, negligence, and fraudulent concealment and violation of unfair competition law and the Consumer Legal Remedies Act. When the child they had paid perfectly good money for turned out to be a girl instead of the boy they had paid for. Hmm. That is a vile story. <laughs> that is unbelievable. This, uh, it's a, this is so what progressive. Do they do with this is the... progressive. This is all. This is absolutely the most progressive story ever. Gay so couple wanted to, to design their baby, so they hired a surrogate, basically, to have a child for them. Yes, and they had their you know one of their sperm was uh, allegedly chosen because it was going to deliver them a boy. Wait until they can decide, hey, only choose not just a boy, but we want it to be gay. We want it to be trans. No, look on the embryo and tell us what what gender it should be. (laughs) And transition it in vitro. That's out of control. Well, hey, and here's the thing. How do the, how can they even sue for this? 
I don't think they can. I don't think it's going to go very far. And the poor girl. I mean, what? what it, how old is the baby? I uh, I would presume not. I mean, when did old. all this happen? Did this just? I mean, was is the is the lawsuit coming on? Like the baby was just born. The Sanigers, Albert and Anthony, married in 2013, dreamed of having two children, both sons. The suit states. Before they were wed, the couple chose first and middle names for their future sons in May of 2015 and created Gmail accounts for their future offspring with their first and last names, according to the lawsuit. That's crazy town. They were they did just gotten married and they started picking out names for the two boys they were gonna have. Throughout the process, okay, but the, then what happened? Throughout the process, the couple was explicit with HRC, that's the fertility clinic, that they wanted only male embryos transferred to their surrogate. And the defendants represented that the Sanigers would get the, uh, to select the exact embryos, which had an identified gender, to be used in each uh, transfer, the suit states. So, so they're presented with embryos that are all boys, allegedly, and then they are going to like select from those embryos. Do they look through a microscope? <laughs> oh, that embryo looks beautiful. I think he's looking at me. <laughs> what, what, how do Instead, the suit states HRC negligently, recklessly, and or intentionally transferred a female embryo to the Sanigers gestational car- carrier. Uh... HRC well, specifically targets families in the LGBTQ community, and its website says the clinic is dedicated to helping the gay and lesbian community achieve their dreams of parenthood, according to the suit. Well, this... The financial impact to the Sanigers is staggering because they ultimately will be raising three children rather than two sons for which they had planned, the suit states. There's so much... Uh, oh, that's the end of the article there. Uh, could you just imagine what life is like for this daughter, Jeremy? Why don't they just make her a boy? Trans her. Absolutely. It turns out this she is was the born most anti trans. Yeah, this is maybe the most anti trans. Yeah, you're right. This is the most anti trans story I've ever heard. What if they knew? What if the, this what if the clinic matter has the ability to know that it's trans? They said, "Hey, you're right. It doesn't matter. It we it isn't a girl. That's a boy. It may it may be born female, but that's a boy." Yeah, that's all they have to do is say it's a boy and then change it into you're one. You're right. When did the gay community become so anti-trans, Jeremy? You nailed it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Wow. Woo. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile I this- just saw in Gateway that half of people are moving out of California. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing to do. No, they're going like to spread. They're going to come to us. Uh, this is not the first. I, I went looking for this story in a news report and I couldn't find this story, but I did find a similar one from the same agency. This is with a different couple. This is really a tragic story. Jason and Melissa Diaz's road to parenthood has had many detours. A cancer diagnosis for Jason five years ago led them to IVF in hopes that they would prevent passing on a hereditary form of gastric cancer. The plan was to freeze several embryos and get them tested to understand which ones have the genes so that they could move forward with any of the ones that do not. After meeting with doctors at Huntington Reproductive Center, they were sold. 
HRC has several locations across Southern California. Jason and Melissa went to this one in Pasadena. The embryos were created in 2020, and the couple now has a one-and-a-half-year-old son. But last summer, Jason and Melissa were looking into having another child, and that's when they learned the embryo they used the first time did have the gene, which means their son does. Finding out now changed everything. An 80% likelihood in his lifetime that he's going to develop stomach cancer. And so when he's 15, he'll have to go through a procedure? A total gastrectomy is what they're recommending based off of our history. They are going to take this kid at 15 and remove his stomach. That's what a gastrectomy is. Because he might get cancer. This is insane. They should shut this clinic down. Wow. Al, yeah, Al, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. How about some happier stories, Al? (laughs) (laughs) He has sent us other stuff we are going to get to. We're not ready to yet. He's got even bigger stuff. But Al is shaping up to be an excellent producer. And again, what a great day this has been for our the, producers. That, they are not the only anti-trans, those guys, because now evidently Starbucks is anti-LGBT. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, Starbucks, evidently, this uh, coming week, there's supposed to be a massive boycott from all of their uh, union baristas because they're not allowed to uh, put up pride decor in their shops. Huh. Oh, now why? The union. Rep- I'm sure last year they had plenty of pride. I don't know. I've, I always thought it was definitely, you know, it would surprise me. Like, I just, I would think it'd be like a total, like they would have flags everywhere. Let me see. The union representing Starbucks employees in the U.S. says they will go on strike. They say it's over the coffee chain's ban on pride decorations and displays in several of its stores. Starbucks, however, denies it's doing that. Let's bring in Sarah Galashin on this story. Uh, Sarah, what are you hearing? This is Canadian Broadcast Company. They're talking about, it's not happening, I guess, in Canada, but it is happening here. Well, Hannah, that the strike action is actually underway uh, at at least one location, that being the Pike Street Roast, Roast Pike Street Roastery uh, in Seattle. Seattle being noteworthy because, of course, it is the birthplace of uh, Starbucks. Uh, that location saying that they are in strike uh, today, tomorrow, and through to just before midnight on Sunday, and uh, they are. They are saying they're accusing uh, Starbucks Corporation of unilaterally altering or terminating pride decoration policies without negotiating with the union. Uh, That union being uh, Workers United, uh, these allegations, though, being denied strongly by Starbucks Corporation. I think it's important to note here or add an asterisk here that uh, in addition to these allegations of pride decorations or decor being removed or not allowed, additionally, the union uh, does also is also involved in contract 
contract uh, negotiations wants better pay and benefits uh, for employees. Um, the strike, their strike uh, over uh, into the next week, uh, that's what they are saying they are planning this for over the next week, would involve 3,500 workers at some 150 stores. Starbucks Corporation runs and owns 9,000 locations and accuses the union of spreading false information in order to divide workers and deflect from their failed negotiations. Um, they are so <coughs> wait, help me understand. Now the uh, LGBTQIA plus plus LMNOP community wants corporate America to pink wash with their flag. I guess I, this is like see this is like where I f- I think we were talking about last week how I had this source that I work with and uh, we were talking about the uh, arson fires up in Canada and how I had suspected that that was maybe going to be a pivot into more global warming alarmism and a backtracking from this crazy LGBTQ trans push that's been going on trying to normalize trans people shooting up churches and stuff. And then you had all the Target and Budweiser and there were all these activists coming out saying how uh, Target was evil because they took the uh, those displays and put them in the backs of the stores and kowtowed to the patri- the white patriarchy. Right, and they you say know. they say that Target is only pinkwashing when it's convenient for them. That's the right. accusation. They you're right, right. They said that they were doing it so they could get rid of it because there would be a backlash for it. These corporations, they, they are, uh, they can't win. There's no no matter what they do, they cannot win because once you've stepped foot into all this realm. You have to keep yeah, I think pleasing the beast. They're all getting what they deserve. I agree. They're all getting what they deserve. I agree. Deserve. I'm happy that this is happening. <laughs> I love it. I haven't been in a Starbucks for probably 10 years. Um, I don't go there. Yeah, I started boycotting them about uh, 12 years ago. Oh, their coffee is bad. I mean, uh, to me, it wasn't even a political thing. I just no, I me, like coffee that tastes good. Yeah, mine was not uh, political either. I had a kidney stone, and it was because I was t- drinking Ugh. too much caffeine, and so I quit caffeine and uh, never looked back from Starbucks. I went from basically paying the rent <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to never stepping foot in there again. <laughs> you must have been drinking too much of it. I was. I had an espresso machine. This was uh, when I was editing Hating Breitbart, and we were pulling 20-hour days. I had an espresso machine in the office, and I was just downing double espressos all day long, and eventually it caught up to me. Uh, Uh Well, speaking of Hating Breitbart, James O'Keefe was in Hating Breitbart, and James O'Keefe has been busy. Did you see James O'Keefe being busy? Yeah, yeah, I saw saw he had a... uh didn't he ambush like a politician, and the politician just wouldn't answer any of his questions? It was uh, a BlackRock. Like it was a big story. A recruiter for BlackRock. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're that talking was what about Project Veritas, Project Veritas did. which isn't doing a, <laughs> anything except yeah, uh, right. suing James uh-huh. O'Keefe. 
yes. Yeah, and and yeah, confronting the mayor in the street. Uh, so uh, yeah, James O'Keefe is actually continuing to do what he uh, was doing under Project Veritas and now does under OMG, O'Keefe Media Group. I, I It's kind of, is it funny or silly or slapstick that he named it OMG as in, oh my God, oh my, OMG. No, he has a, actually, he, I saw like a music video he produced, like promoting the company, but they were saying, oh my gosh. Okay. Either way. But obviously, it's. <laughs> I mean, he named his that, company. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's he, it's great. He's, he is very counterintuitive, and it works. He, he's, uh, a, he's a creative he guy. Yes, he is. Here, listen. Uh, this is from his latest release. This is a sting of a BlackRock recruiter who went on several dates, uh, was drinking wine, and spilled the truth. Hey there. Is this seat taken? So this is now, they've released the video. James now goes up to the guy to, to confront him. He walked, he, the guy was supposed to be meeting, uh, or he was meeting with the girl who was the actually the undercover. And the undercover says, oh, I need to go to the bathroom or steps away. And then James walks in. Yeah, the and then James comes That's in. Awesome. It's great. Hey there. It's classic um, now. Is this seat taken? Um... Someone's going to come back, but uh, what's well, up? Well, that person actually works for me. <laughs> he's still, James O'Keefe sits down, he still hasn't put together <laughs> that the person he's you with know, set him up. <laughs> no, but but he has. And you know what's so funny about it? Because in the, in the original video where, you know, the they released the undercover interviews with this guy at one point, and it happens more and more now that these videos of, you know, gone so viral is the the subject of the investigation starts to have suspicion that they're spilling too much information to somebody like James O'Keefe. Right. And this guy does the same thing. He says to the girl he's on the date with, like, I I think you're like an undercover reporter or something. Right. I should be saying all this stuff. Right. Right. Which actually leads to, it reinforces the point that he's making because Nobody asks any questions. You must be an undercover if you're asking any questions. Everybody else just goes, oh, okay, that's interesting. Right. Oh, wow, really? For me? Live from the Bronx, this is James O'Keefe. Listen to how much fun he is having. Where are you going? Yeah. You're walking into the police station? Would you like to follow me? Uh, I'll stand right here. You want me to follow you into the police station? Yes. What are you going to do with the police? What are you going to say to the police? I'm going to ask them to make you stop following your I, He literally walked from the restaurant into the police station. Who are they going to arrest? I, 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 maybe him. Maybe they're going to arrest him. He's handed himself into the NYPD, folks. <laughs> so the guy gets up from the table and walks across the street to the police station. <laughs> Just to, to get away from James O'Keefe. So... James is having a lot of fun, and it's working for him. Here he is on Russell Brand's podcast. James O'Keefe, he's famous for his performance in Oklahoma. Oklahoma Remember, we're on YouTube, so don't say anything too controversial before we go over on Rumble. Do you want to say something, James, or are you going to do a few bars of Oklahoma? I mean, if you'd sing Poor Judd is Dead, last time I sang the opening, the title sequence. Just give us, yeah, do a little bit. I think if that's what drives people from YouTube to Rumble, let's give it a go. 
Poor Judd is dead. Poor Judd Fry is dead. Oh, gather around his coffin now and cry. Yeah, he's... Yeah. He's having a lot of fun. I think that we will see Hannah Giles on uh, Russell Brand's podcast real soon. Hannah, are you still suing James? Is that still happening? Please tell me that's not happening. I'm sure it is. I'm glad to see James carrying on. Yeah, he's going to be fine. He's going, going after BlackRock is pretty huge. It was a good one. He says There's now they're playing all these off that these are low level guys. It's the same thing that the guy at Pfizer did. It was a low level guy. This and he, this guy's sitting saying, "I'm nobody. I'm just a low level guy. I'm nobody." <laughs> you know what? It's probably I mean, well, to a degree it's true. He's boasting about you know. I mean, he's, he's a guy on a date, yeah, but he's but building clearly, himself up. But he is telling the truth. Yeah, he's telling the truth. Doesn't matter if you're a nobody. Right. You're somebody that's inside the organization. That's exactly. And right. you're confirming all of our theories outside the organization. So see, James thanks, needs nobody. to turn around. This guy's gonna get fired. James needs to turn around and hire this guy. <laughs> well, it's too late now. No, he could have maybe. Guy, no, this guy still knows where, where skeletons are, are buried. He he knows. Would have, that would have, would have been interesting. You can't hire him for an undercover. That's what James should do. No, but that's what James should do. He should have already hired him. And right. Then make this so that so Without now releasing anything. the BlackRock people yes. right don't release anything or release it, but way later. Right. <laughs> so that when BlackRock comes down on this guy, they've already got the goods from inside. Maybe James does that. For all we know, maybe he does that. Maybe he he gets somebody and then he says, "Look, I'm not going to put this out." He did. That makes him like the FBI. I'm not going to put this out. You're going to be okay as long as you work for me. Right. Right. That'd be great. I can't imagine he didn't think of it if I have if I did. So Um, Uh, he's a brilliant. I'm going to play this one clip. You heard Adam Schiff was (laughs) censured. Yeah. Big. Consequence, major consequence. That'll show him. Oh, yeah. His life is over. Uh, He was censured for uh, lying about, yeah, lying about the the Steele dossier and uh, the the content of the briefings that he was getting regarding Trump Russia collusion, which never happened. Uh, Here's a clip. I want to, I just want to play this because I want to see if you pick up on what I am (laughs) hearing in this clip. By its adoption of House Resolution 521, the House has resolved that the House of... So now the Democrats are throwing a tantrum, and McCarthy is waiting every time they interrupt. I have all night. By its adoption of House Resolution 521, the House has resolved... That the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California, for misleading the American public. And for, and for conduct unbecoming of an elected member of the House of Representatives. 
The Representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. That Representative Adam Schiff will be censured with the public reading of this resolution by the Speaker. And that the Committee on Ethics shall conduct an investigation into Representative Adam Schiff's falsehoods, misrepresentations, and abuse of sensitive information. You hear it? Yeah. What did you hear? What am I talking about? No, no. No. What, the complaining? No. Oh, what? Listen. Of Adam Schiff will be of Adam Schiff will be of Adam Schiff will be forthwith. Adam Schiff will be Adam Schiff. That he's calling him Adam Schiff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps calling him Shift. I assume that's short yeah. for Shifty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that. I was hearing Adam that. Schiff will be I didn't censured know that's what you were talking about. This resolution by the speaker. And that forthwith, Adam Schiff will be forthwith. Because, <laughs> because, no, because what I was listening for, I saw was after they did it, then they started cheering him, right? They, they cheered they, him, they when, him bit- when they first called him down to the well of the house. So it was before what McCarthy just read. That was mm-hmm. when they all surrounded him and cheered like it was a huge pep rally. Oh, okay. Exactly the kind of thing Jake Tapper frowns upon. Remember in the last episode, Jake Tapper yeah. frowned upon uh, the party atmosphere around Trump after he had been indicted. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I went looking for Jake Tapper's response to this, and he did not have one. None didn't oh. didn't cover it. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, we're about to have the biggest fight in the history of humanity. Hmm. History of the world. The biggest fight in the history of the world. Biggest fight in the history of the world. Huh. Between Barack and his wife? Nope. Between... Today, you've heard of the... I found uh, some clips. These two. Between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Yes! Oh, Elon is going to get his butt kicked. (laughs) I don't know. It's real. It's does he really train? I mean, Zuckerberg trains. Zuckerberg very athletic. Yeah, he's gonna have stamina. I just i I couldn't believe I was seeing these news headlines. Yeah, when I was looking around. So uh, I think it was Musk that challenged Zuckerberg to a uh, a I think a cage match. Yeah. And Zuckerberg said yes, and Musk said, okay, let's do it in the this place called the Octagon or something in Las Vegas where they have all these mixed martial it's arts. A main event, a headliner fights. event. I've never I've never followed that uh MMA fighting or whatever. I'm not into it. Um but that's what they're they're talking about doing. They're talking about it all over. It's like news everywhere. This was an. You're Australia. not excited about it. You've heard of the rumble. You're not excited. I'm not excited about it. I think it's weird. 
and it's not good. It's spectacle. It's what uh, right. It's what uh, that clip from the last episode. Uh, 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 I'm forgetting his name. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Uh, who invented email? Oh, uh, Shiva. Yes, Doctor Shiva. Yes, we're 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 being distracted. We're entertained. We're being entertained. Right. Yeah, this is like the Roman Colosseum. Listen to this. In the jungle and the thriller in Manila. But now there's a new fight on the cards. A Las Vegas beatdown between two tech bros. Billionaires Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg have apparently agreed to fight each other in a cage match for charity. Musk, the owner of Twitter and founder of Tesla, wants the fight to occur in the Las Vegas octagon, the home of some of the world's biggest UFC fights. Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, has agreed to the terms. Speaking to entertainment website TMZ, UFC president Dana White said both men were serious. They- I got that clip, actually, of that. Can we be excited about this? Is there a possibility this is really going to happen? Well, just to, just to give some clarification. So what he said is Mark Zuckerberg responded with, send me location, which is something that Habib Nurmagomedov says when people challenge him. So that, that was what send me location meant. And... Uh, I was talking to both Elon and uh, Mark last night. Both guys are absolutely dead serious about this. It's funny that you brought up Shiva, because what was Shiva talking about the other day? He was talking about the way the elites move in a swarm with no one particular leader, and their movements are essentially geared to control the other 8 billion people on planet Earth by dividing them and keeping them distracted and at each other's throats uh, and normalizing and how they're uh, all and how they're all together right they're all in a part they all party together yes. they all hang out yes, together they're all in the and same then the club carlin we're not in it and the and the carlin clip you played that they're in this club and we're not in it and that's exactly what i thought of when i saw this clip of this guy dana white who runs this ufc thing and he's and he's like yeah i was talking to elon and i was talking to mark who talks to both of those guys in the same night i guess this guy does (laughs) because they're all in the same club now wait wait wait. can we can tell us why you say that because they both said yeah we'll do it (laughs) they both want to do it mark zuckerberg hit me up first and said is he serious and i said i don't know let me ask him I asked him and he said, yeah, I'm dead serious. You know, um, you know, obviously for, for, and I agree with you, Harvey, this would be the biggest fight ever in the history of the world. The biggest fight ever in the history of the world. <laughs> not sure about By the that. way. May, it, it might have a lot of way, eyeballs, but I'm not sure it's the biggest yeah. fight. It's also like, I mean, like two scrawny white dudes. I mean, well, I, I, you know, but uh, Zuckerberg, I don't know. Zuckerberg does a lot but, but of work. I saw out. some clips, right? I saw some clips of him in these clips about it. And yeah, he like trains jujitsu and he's all work and he's actually like into fighting and stuff. And uh, some, I think this guy, Dana White, said that, that uh, Elon Musk supposedly knows jujitsu too. Um, oh, that w- it'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. So regardless, you- they're going to build it up as the biggest fight in the history of mankind, I guess. 
but it's yeah, it's like the Coliseum. It's like, I mean, what a in October, everyone's going to be waiting for October. They said the amount of money this is going to generate is like triple uh, the biggest boxing match that had ever occurred. Yeah, those guys might get rich. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. Nope. You're not in it, but you can watch, and you can pay $100 to watch. That's what he said it's going to cost on pay-per-view or Rumble or however they broadcast it i hope for i'm that not gonna much, watch it i hope for that much they serve bug juice at that event what's bug juice <laughs> like from camp <laughs> oh yeah bug juice from camp that was good stuff right it was just fruit punch and then it was called bug juice because well, it invariably wasn't good bugs would it was like watered it. no i was like watered down kool-aid with gnats well ours wasn't watered down it was the high sugar content that attracted all the gnats if you didn't get to it early it became actual bug juice but it was ours was watered down with gnats oh well how do you how did you attract the gnats if it was watered down well there was enough sugar that doesn't take a lot of sugar to attract a gnat well this is bug juice it's not gnats but it's they're attracting bugs Entomilk is a dairy alternative that we make from black soldier fly lava. That's Entomilk. Entomilk oh, is a dairy I've alternative that we make from black soldier fly lava. We take the insects and we process it into a dairy alternative. It forms a rich and creamy liquid which looks and acts just like dairy. Entomilk is very rich in protein, fat. <laughs> that sound effect <laughs> just killed me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of it. They have uh, they, they turn on a faucet and out comes all this ecto milk <laughs> into a bucket, <laughs> and that's the sound of it landing in the bucket. Entomilk is very rich in protein, fat, <laughs> calcium, iron, and zinc, which is really good for you. By the way, that's the sound one of those ecto bugs makes when you step on them. <laughs> Entomilk is very rich in protein, fat, calcium, iron, and zinc which is really good for you. And it's got a very creamy mouthfeel. The world needs alternatives to survive. Insects are vital for the future of food because they require very little land. They don't damage the environment like livestock. They don't produce greenhouse gases. And they meet the demand for ice cream. Ice cream. The world is going to struggle to produce enough food for the growing population. And I find insects a very viable option. Can you believe it's made from insects? <laughs> she says that, and the so she's handing out these samples to these four <laughs> young people, and it's the ice cream, and and she said that's how she drops it on them. Can you believe it's made from insects? And they look at her like they are gonna vomit. Can you Hi, believe it's not cow milk? <laughs> They're all like, "What? Did you just be me?" And it's all this four black people. <laughs> <laughs> this white woman in the in the lab coat is handing these four black people the uh, insect <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Hi, I'm Leah Besser. I live in Cape Town, and I make dairy alternatives from insects. She's in Cape Town, South Africa. Saving them oh. from starvation. I thought that would be a good way to go out, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. How do you even... How is it even economical to produce enough ecto-milk when you can have... I mean, don't... 
cow, like one cow produce a couple gallons a day? Um, how many fly soldier fly larva does it take to make a glass of milk? You should see the cute it little can't... machine they hook them up to to suction all the milk out. <laughs> it can't use less energy. There's no way. Uh, no, I think this is about demoralizing people and, uh, and thus making them not want any more children. Why would you have children so wow. they could be born to eat insects? It's demoralizing. Uh, grow your own food. And, and hey, I had a complaint. Urgency. You know, boy, if we're at the stage where we're eating insects, the population really is out of control. I heard a complaint. There was no, uh, well, it wasn't a complaint, but it was like, was there a secret word in the last episode? And there wasn't one. Oh. Okay, well, so I guess we have to have one. Ecto milk is (laughs) (laughs) ecto milk is the secret word. If you get it, we will get you a lifetime supply of ecto milk. Do we have a title? I don't know the title of this one. Mm -hmm. We'll have to figure it out. Ecto truth. Yeah. Ecto bait. I don't know something. You're good at the titling. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you to our producers. Be like our producers. Write us at truthatruthbait.com and send us what you're finding. Send us your tips. Share the show. Thank you, Jeremy. And I hope you thank have a you, great Thank you, Mr. Marcus. Yes, you too. Thank you, everybody, for sending in those clips. Do it again, and more people do it. It's going to make things better, I think, and more fun. Definitely more fun. More fun to produce and hopefully more fun to listen to. And you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday without fail. To the best of our ability... All right. We will see you all on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And until then, stay baited. You can't say it like that. Stay baited! You can't say it like you have to say, and now back into the sea of clickbait with you all. Okay, I was ch- I was changing it up. First of all, you didn't even realize I've changed it up from you all. I changed that to back into the sea of clickbait with us all. I've heard you say it. I didn't point it out. Um, I like that more. It's more inclusive. Uh, yeah, we're all in the same boat together because we are. But I was trying something new, and I guess you... But you were in... It infers that you're going back with everybody. Like you say that, and now back into the sea of clickbait with you all. It sounds like you're joining everybody. Oh, no. To you me, it sounds like I'm in the boat and I'm all. throwing everybody overboard. Until we now, when you back say with next week, now when you say with us all, that's when it sounds like Trump talking about himself in the third person. <laughs> wow, I, I've, I, I, we're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to rewrite the intro and the exit for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stay baited, everybody. No, <laughs> you can't say that. You have to say, and now back into the sea of clickbait. With you all.